So uh, the first thing you need to know is, like I said last week, Jesus in John chapter 18, verse 36, we're going to pull that up. And Jesus said that my kingdom is not of this world. Remember last week you spoke about Jesus being tried by the Pilate and the Pilate said, are you a king? And Jesus said, yes, I'm a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. A lot of times we try to compare the things of this world to the kingdom of God. You can't compare it. A lot of times we like to follow the world and we call it the kingdom of God. We try to use the system of the world and we call it the kingdom of God just because we slap the name of Jesus on it. It doesn't work that way. The kingdom of God is not of this world. It cannot be of this world. What does it mean? It means it's spiritual. The kingdom of God is spiritual. Everything that we get involved in in our lives, you can either you deal with it spiritually or you deal with it with like the rest of the world, with the system of the world, with the flesh, with the intellect, with the reasoning. Go to the next scripture, please. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Right? We're talking about the kingdom of God. Jesus, uh, the polypostles say that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle, in other words, we don't contend in flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Now, we use these scriptures oftentimes in the past for spiritual warfare, you know, going to the heavenly places, casting demons down, praying for, praying for the city, and that's correct, that is true. But that is not limited just to spiritual warfare. In this context, you, uh, you and I need to know that we wrestle whatever that you wrestle with, it's spiritual. Everything is spiritual. And therefore, if you want to take advantage of all the struggle you have and have victorious, being victorious in your struggle, you need to get into the spiritual and wrestle it, spiritually speaking. Don't do what the world do, or else you will be like the world. You cannot do what the world do and expect different results. If you do what the world do and just slap the name of Jesus on it and say a prayer or two over it, it ain't going to help anything. Your struggle, my struggle, your wrestle, wrestling and my wrestling is not the blood, flesh and blood. It's spiritual. And so whatever that you deal with is spiritual. And therefore, that's why in 1 Timothy just chapter 4 verse 8, I'm reading from the New Good News Translation, I think it's more accurate. <clears throat> it says, physical exercise has some value. You know, I used to think physical exercise is working out. Maybe it is, but in this context, isn't. You know, physical exercise have, have, have very little value. And in this context, as you know, Paul is telling people, the, the, uh, uh, is, is teaching Timothy or instructing Timothy, that listen man, there are people that are coming to the church and try to get people in the church to work out different rules and traditions and observing mood, new moons and different festivals. Try to make a spiritual exercise a physical exercise. You know, you need to fast ten times, you need to pray ten times, you need to, you need, you, you need to do this, you need to do that in order for God to accept you in His kingdom. So, you know, you do things spiritually, uh, physically. In some culture, you know, some of you come from their culture, you know, or on Easter, you know, they whip themselves at the back until it's all bleeding at the back. They're taking what is spiritual and they make it a physical exercise. And Paul is saying, it has some value. You know, fasting has value. 
You know, um, uh, uh, um, some, of the, some, some of the physical things we do, it has some value. But really, if you want the biggest bang for the buck, it's actually spiritual. Spiritual exercise, spiritual training is valuable in every way. Because it promises, it promises life both for the present and for the future, that is after you passed away. Spiritual discipline, spiritual training is the key for you to succeed in wrestling things spiritually. Some of us are so weak spiritually that we don't even know where our spirit is. How can we wrestle spiritually? The Bible says our training has to be spiritual. Like for one, from one of the training I'm talking about is speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues may give zero physical value. But it has tremendous spiritual value. That exercise of speaking in tongue, if you just do it 15 minutes a day consistently, it'll change your life. If you can't do it 30 minutes, one hour, it'll change your life. It changed my life. I'm still doing it every day. That's right, every single day. I'm not boasting, I'm just trying to make, you know, just try to lead, try to give you an example. Don't just do what I say, do what I do type of thing, right? Speaking in tongues is one of the most powerful tools, spiritual tools that God has given you and I. And that training, man, use it. Train yourself to be able to pray in the Spirit longer. Pray in the Spirit consistently. Man, I tell you, open a whole new world for you. But anyways, let's move on. Another characteristic of the kingdom of God or the system is this. Now, this is the kingdom of God here. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In context, Paul is talking to the people <clears throat> in, uh, in, uh, in Rome and because there were a lot of fighting about what you can eat, what you cannot eat. The Word of God says that what, you know, God says to Peter, what I have cleansed, you cannot call it unclean. And God has cleansed all the food that, that, that He showed uh, 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 Peter. And so a lot of religious people will come in and say, you know, you shouldn't eat pork. You shouldn't eat shellfish. You know, the only thing that you cannot eat, the Bible says, is blood. Or meat contain blood. And the reason is because there's life in the blood. If you, if you drink blood, you're drinking life. In fact, the Bible tells us that even the blood can cry out to heaven. He said, well, that's human blood. Blood has life. That's why God says you cannot eat blood because you're eating life. You can eat the meat, but don't eat life. So it's not about eating and drinking, but it's about righteousness. We talk about righteousness in this church. Well, who is the righteousness of God? You are the righteousness of God. We want to discuss that. How is it that you're the righteousness of God? We want to celebrate the fact that God is so good and His grace is so vast that He can make you His righteousness. Wow! You're righteous in your spirit from day one. Even if you fall short of the glory of God, your spirit that is fused with the Spirit of God is still righteous. You're a lifetime, in your lifetime, you want to align your soul and your flesh to your spirit. Then that's where you learn the Word of God. But your spirit is perfect. In fact, your spirit need not anyone to teach you. Your spirit knows everything when it's fused with the, with the Spirit of God. That's what a born-again experience is all about. 
Your soul may be struggling, your memory may be struggling, your flesh may be struggling, but as far as God is concerned, under His blood, your spirit is perfect. And that's why He allows His spirit to continue to be fused to your spirit, even when you have backslide. Anyways, that's another topic for another day. So it's about righteousness. It's about peace. Make sure you have peace with the brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, you know, a, a, a brother was asking me yesterday, you know, should I just straighten this brother up? You know, his theology is completely out the wall and it's just an unfactual, you know, why, you know. I said, you can try, but make sure you stay in peace. Paul the Apostle said, don't get involved in foolish arguments with people. They think that it's not important, I won't argue. That's why I don't say anything. Sometimes I see some of those things that people say and post, I, I just keep quiet. In my heart, I totally, strongly disagree. But hey, for peace, Shandai, I just smile. Praise the Lord. And I wish every believer would be like that. Instead of insisting, my way, my way, my way. You got to hear my truth, otherwise you are lost. Really? We are saved by the grace of God. Through faith that is not of yourself. But it's a gift of God. So I want to keep peace. Another thing is that everything has to be peace governed. Every time when you make a decision, there is a check in your heart. There's, there's not a peace. Don't do it. A brother said to me, you know, Pastor, I just don't feel peace about making the decision this week, just this week, a couple of days ago. I said, if you have no peace, don't do it. Because you're going to regret it. Because the Holy Spirit is trying to show you something. Anyway, it's about peace. Let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart, the Bible says. And joy. Man, I tell you, this, this church ought to be the most joyful place in the planet, right? Some people, man, they walk to church, it's so sorrowful. Oh, do I have to go again? Do I have to go to church? There are people that are actually celebrating and rejoicing over this COVID-19 season because they don't have to come to church. It's like, oh, praise the Lord, I don't have to come to church. Okay, I want to talk to this camera. I want you to listen to me carefully. You don't have to come to church. God loves you as much by staying home watching on YouTube. In fact, you don't even have to watch on YouTube. God loves you as much. Coming to church is not something you have to do. When it comes to the point that you have to, something is up in the spirit. Something is not lining up in the spirit. Fix that. Don't try to come to church to please people and impress people. Because you will not go very far because one of these days you're going to go, I'm out of here. So I might as well just bite the bullet and just, just, just deal with it right now. You see, we all, I believe, we all come to church because we want to. The kingdom of God is being revealed everywhere in the Bible. And if you look at the Old Testament and New Testament, the kingdom of God is constantly being revealed. And the benefit is that we can actually take advantage and how to learn how to work in the kingdom of God and work the system, if you may. For example, in the Old Testament, you know, in the Old Testament, I was studying in Chronicles and Kings, is that all these kings, especially in Judah, the nation of Judah and Benjamin, is the, the king of Judah, 
You know, every time when a king turned to the Lord, God blessed them, blessed them, blessed them. And then every time they turn to something else, God just, just leave them alone and they start losing and people attacking them and losing wealth. You know, one generation will be super rich, next generation super poor, one generation super strong, next generation super weak, you know. And then there will be time that God is really mad at them for taking the blessing of God, watch this, and try to use it to hire people and armies to protect themselves. So the kingdom of God is this. You know, I was asking the Lord, God, you know, this is so inconsistent. Why up and down, you know? Why up and down? And the Holy Spirit is telling me that the reason that this, this chronicles and kings are there is to reveal to you, watch this, for you to prosper in the kingdom of God is not to be independent from God with the blessing He gave you. Did you get that? We are not to be independent from God using the resources He had blessed us with. Some of us have so much money, God has blessed you so much, then you say, I don't need God anymore. I got my goods. I don't need to serve God. I don't need to love Him as much. He's blessing me now. And in what you're doing is that now you are leaning on the blessing of God rather than God. And God was really mad at the king who did that. Is that he hired soldiers from the resources God had given them. And God says, I will destroy you. What does it tell me? What it tells me is that when it comes to the kingdom of God, in order for you to prosper, He may bless you with all kinds of resources. Your heart and my heart still must lean solely on Him. He may tell you to use your resources, but unless He does so, don't even touch it. The blessing is there, don't need to use it. You know, but God bless me with all this blessing so that I could use it. Says who? You don't have to use it if he didn't tell you to use it. Save it. Go invest it. In Tesla or something, you know. Ask God for it. Ah, see I'm talking about your name now. You're paying attention. <laughs> Look at that. But anyways, so you know, so, so that's the kingdom of God. It's to be totally and wholly dependent on Him all the time. Not on the resources and blessings He gave you. Now Jesus in the New Testament, in all the parable, He also tried to reveal both the Father and the kingdom. The Father and the kingdom. You, you see that sometimes, you know, oftentimes in the parable, He will say this, the kingdom of God is like this. Then He will proceed to talk about the parable. Let me give you a couple of examples. In, uh, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 to 46, that's one of the things of the kingdom of God that you need to know of. Okay, so Matthew chapter 13 verse 44 to 46. Here Jesus is talking about what? The treasure hidden. 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field which a man found and covered them up and his joy he goes and sells all. Everybody say all. All that he has and buys that field. Next verse. Same idea. Again the kingdom of heaven is the merchant search for the fine pearls. 46. Who, on finding the pearl great, of great value, went and sold all they had and bought the, the, the what? The, the, the pearl. That's another principle of the kingdom of God. This is one of the many. He said, what principle is that? Well, it's very simple. In the kingdom of God, if you, want, if you want the kingdom of God to work for you, it's either you go full throttle or don't even worry about it. You get that? A lot of us like to leverage, hedge, Sitting on a fence just in case. That's why Jesus said to the rich young ruler, sell all that you have. And uh, the young ruler can't do it. 
he turned away in sorrow. And Jesus says, it's easier for camel to go through the eye of the needle than the rich man go into the kingdom of God. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, it's either you go all the way, or don't worry about it. You're saved already. Just, just, just wait till you die and go to heaven. But if you want the kingdom to work for you, on this earth, in this lifetime, you need to go all out. Some people, they serve God just one-tenth of their heart. God, I'll give you one-tenth of my heart. That's my tithe, the tithe of my heart. I tie my heart to you. It's all or nothing. Well, that's pretty awesome. Well, let's move on to the next principle. Let's give you another one. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 to 32. This is another amazing principle in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. Next verse. It is the smallest. Everybody say smallest. Smallest of all seeds. But when it's grown, it's larger than all the garden plants. Wow, look at this. The kingdom of God is not about how you start. You know, there's a saying, don't despise the small beginning. A lot of us make judgment call by what we see now. But what the kingdom of God is and what God does is that He doesn't see what is now. He sees what potentially could be for you in the future. When I was a young man, I always make decisions about people's lives based on what I see. As a pastor, you know, a person that, you know, just don't love God, you know, very quiet, not enthusiastic. Or, uh, not, they, they, they may even love God, but they're not really showing it because they're, they're people that have stoic face. They don't go excited, right? They don't go, ah, right? And then I say, oh, maybe he hasn't been touched by the Lord. He probably won't last long. And then you see some of those people that are all emotional. Whoa, you know, very emotional. They talk a lot. They shout a lot. They're like, yeah, man, you know, you know. And they have a lot of theories, a lot of, a lot of things to say, you know. And, and they seem so enthusiastic. You go, wow, I think there's a great future for this person. I'm 52. I've seen enough that I can tell you that it's not the case. But I want to tell you this. You cannot judge what you see now. You and I need to believe that God has all the potential planted in a person's life. That if they would heed the call of God and walk in His way, man, they could be the largest of all plants in the garden. So what? They look like they are poor. They don't have education. So what? They look the smallest. But boy, I tell you this. If God is in it, He's going to cause that seed. It's going to grow. And it's going to be the largest plants. That's the kingdom of God. That's the system that you're part of. So do not despise the small beginning. Some of you have jobs that are so insignificant like a mustard seed. But I want to tell you this. If you could sow it, plant it, release it into the hand of God. Man, He's going to make you the next CEO of the company if you may. 
You know, I was, uh, I always, some of you invest, and, and when I invest, I, you know, I invest in a lot of Canadian banks, and, and uh, uh, some of the CEO of the banks, if you were to study the biography, like they're the CEO, they didn't start off as a CEO. In fact, I remember one time there was this guy, you know, he was a CEO, you know, I think it was Bank of Montreal, and I was studying him, that was quite a number of years ago. He actually started at the bottom of the bottom. You couldn't get any more bottom than him. And he started there, can you imagine if people had written him off? You know, he got good friends there, he said, you know, you have no future and you written it off. And I'm sure people had. They probably regret it immensely that now that he is a chairman and CEO of one of the largest banks in this country. Do not despise the small beginning. So what you're struggling today. So what you're having problem having a breakthrough. But I know the seed of the word of God has been planted in you. And that you are yourself an amazing seed that has amazing potential. That's the kingdom of God. I got one amen. I'll take that in Jesus name. Don't judge the size of the seed. You know, I'm just going to close here. Every Sunday we come here. We are learning how the system works. What I want to encourage you is not just learn how the system works. Apply what you learn. Because if you don't apply what you learn, you must well take that time and listen to good music. Are you here this morning? If you find that this teaching is great, I love it. But listen. Don't just listen to what I say. If you could apply it, I know it's going to do great things for your life. You're going to be blessed because God loves you so much. He had invested in you. He had planted in you greatness. People around you may not see it, but if you apply the truth and the principle, I know that you are going to explode to become the biggest of all in the sphere of your influence. Let me close by this. In order for you and I to thrive in the kingdom of God and operating in the system, you need to pay attention to the two things that is really common being used by devil to take us out of the kingdom of God. That is our emotion around us, the emotion we have through our senses and physical feelings or events in the world. These are the two that had caused so much distraction that had distracted so many believers who had been on the right track because of the care of the world they completely got taken off track. And before you know it, they're struggling like the rest of the world. God has called you to rest. And in His rest, He will give you great success if you will just follow His principle that He'd given you. And that you operate in a system that you are part of as a born-again believer. If I could ask you to all stand together, let me conclude with this. Jesus said this one thing. In John chapter 3, verse 5 to 8, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The key to enter into the kingdom of God is being born again. I'm going to ask you to all close your eyes in this place. And I also want to speak to the people who may be watching. 
If you have not been born again, born of the spirit of the water, it doesn't matter what rules you try to follow, it won't work. You say, I'm not too sure I'm born again. Well, this is your opportunity. With every eyes closed and every heart bow, every head's bow, I will ask people here, if you have not been born again, are you not too sure you've been born again? And those who are watching, you're not too sure you're born again, born of the Spirit and born of the water. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. Because only those who are born of the Spirit of the water, born again, can enter in the kingdom of God. And if you are the ones that you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Every eyes closed, every head bowed. I want you to raise your hand up and say, pray for me. Amen. That's one sister over there. Anybody else? That's one sister over there. Praise God. Anybody else? Oh, that's one brother over there. And for those of you who are watching, this is your opportunity to give your heart wholly and completely unto the Lord and being absolutely sure that you're going to be born again. And it's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to pray the prayer with me with all your heart. I'm going to go slow. I'm going to ask the people in this congregation to follow me too so that we can help those who have their hands raised. And this is what I ask you to do. Just follow what I say very quickly and then we're going to close. Heavenly Father, I want to receive the experience of being born of the Spirit and of the water. You said only those who are born again, born of the Spirit, born of the water, can enter into your kingdom. I desire to enter into your kingdom right now. I want to receive you. I know that if I confess my sin, and go ahead and just confess that. Give you a few minutes. If I confess my sins, you will forgive me of all my sin. Your word says, if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that you are Lord and Savior of all, I will be saved. I will be born again. So now, I want to tell you Though I'm doubting a little bit, I choose to believe. And I'm confessing now with my mouth, you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, I pray for everyone who had prayed that prayer sincerely, either on the internet, or here that you will answer their prayer I know you have that they are born again I thank you for your response in Jesus name